Well, we open with Emma Watson in a kayak. Uh, we don't know her name yet. Uh, we'll find out later on it's May. Like Mae Whitman, who was in Scott Pilgrim with Ellen. Um, and like a beautiful so, mind with you. Uh, she, she, she's, uh, she's, you know, she's, she's doing some kayaking. We see her at her work, which is apparently walking, working for the water company. But she's just a temp. Uh, she's just a temp, should I say? Um, she's, she's in her car listening to Metal Guru by Mark Boland, which I think is the only bit of eidetic music in the entire film. Mm. Um, and she goes off the road, which considering how Mark Boland died, I found that to be extremely insensitive um, because, because, of course, he died in a car crash. Um, and so having her, you know, veer off the road, I thought, well, this is a bit too much on the nose for me. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she calls her friend, played by Ella Coltrane, um, whose name is Mercer, which is not a real Mercer regalado apparently that's not a, i don't know what that is that's not a real name that's just some nonsense words that someone's put together <laughs> to call but you know his his name will be uh, a bit more catchy later on in the film uh, but you know we get the general gist of their relationship they're friends they've been friends for a long time um you know when she goes home her father we see is ill and they have a bit of a joke about mercer and how he's got a bit of a crush on May. So um, I, I could be, so in the book, they are definitely were a romantic couple. So in my mind, I watched this whole thing thinking that they were still like supposed to be exes, but I, okay. but I did not pick up on the fact that like, because I was bringing that to the, like, so in the book they are, they had been dating, but so like they are still friends after the point. So yeah, I, I totally just, added that from my book memory <laughs> to this movie well i mean you know if there's any significant differences between the book and the film do let me know because i have not read the book yeah and like i said i've only just watched the film so. yeah there are quite a few but uh it's also it was actually maybe more faithful than i expected but then like less faithful in maybe tone it's it's weird we'll get into it <laughs> yeah um we find out that uh karen gillen her friend uh annie allerton uh, so I assume she has some secret identity as a superhero. Otherwise, why would she have an alliterative name? Um, she is very Scottish. They did. They decided not to make Karen Gillan try to put an accent on, which I appreciated. Just let her be Scottish. Uh, I think Emma Watson is kind of doing some sort of American accent, but again, it's the kind of I, I bought it. Kind of. I didn't. Flat. I, yeah. I, I bought it. I, like it, it passed my test, I guess. Like as, a, yeah. as an American, I was. I, I I did think it was funny that one of them has to do an American accent, the other doesn't. You know, and it, but then it's also funny too. Like it's just like, oh, you know, my good childhood friend from Scotland. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not. It's not impossible, but it's like it's a little bit of a leap, you know. Um, yeah, and, I, I mean, you know, some Scottish people emigrated to America. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so. But then, but then at the end, she ends up back in Scotland, like as if she. It's it implied her family's still there or something. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, they might have moved back afterwards. You know? That's true. That's true. I mean, again, it's yeah. not impossible. It's not like it, it, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, huh, that's a little OK, but whatever. I, you know, I didn't dwell on it the entire time. <laughs> I was just happy they let her use a real voice because it's very rare these days that some people with certain accents get to use their real voice. I'm looking at Nicole Kidman. who was Oh, yeah. It's like 30, barely 30 years not using an Australian accent, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dead, Dead Calm was the last time she used her own voice. Does she even yeah, use it in the screen. AMC ad? I don't think she does. I, I no. I, it's kind of it's that weird American accent that she's got in most of the films. Isn't yeah, it? it's that sort of like um, just neutral. Um, 
because he, I'm trying to imagine here, like, because here they are. <laughs> and, then, and I'm trying to hear it. It's like, yeah, I don't think she has. There's like, maybe you can kind of hear a little hint of it in certain words. But yeah, I don't think she uses her yeah. real accent. When she was in Australia, they made her use an English accent. And that film is called Australia. And everybody else is Australian. And yet she ended up being English. Yeah. That's how much they don't want her to use her, her real accent. Um, but yeah, so I was happy that Karen Gillan just gets to be Karen Gillan. Uh, she tells her she's got an interview for The Circle. They're going to be hiring like a hundred people. So, But it's really weird because she te- she starts to tell her about this interview situation when she's at work. And then the conversation continues in the next scene as if it's the next sentence. Right. It's yeah. that weird thing that people do in film sometimes. And I'm like, did did they not talk for like five minutes while she went and got in the car? What was the situation there? I don't know. But yeah. yeah I, I, wonder if, her, I, I bet when you're adapting your book into a screenplay, you realize like, oh, there's a whole lot of scenes of people just talking. And it's an easy way to <laughs> sort of like break up uh, an otherwise boring like people talking on the phone is great in a book, like, but on a, on the screen, that's not very exciting. So you can just like, okay, and we cut and there's continuing the conversation. So yeah, trying to mix it up a yeah. bit. I like me. Well, you know, I like that we get quickly into the premise, which is she is going to work at the circle, uh, which I find weird because like, there's very few companies that exist that are like huge companies that are called the, right. Like, it's not the Apple. It's not the Google. It's not like, the Facebook, obviously, it was at one point, and then right, right yeah, to drop it, drop yeah. the the. But it's like, yeah, it's like, so it's weird that like the company is called the Circle because it's like, okay, I understand, like from a from a literary point of view, it's kind of interesting, uh, but it just reminds me of Google Plus, where um, different friendship groups were defined as circles, mm. and so I'm like, that's and obviously Google Plus was a thing that existed at this time, so yeah, yeah, uh, when the film came out. Um, but yeah, so you know the, the the circle is basically Apple and Facebook and YouTube and I don't know Snapchat. Like it's everything. It's yeah, every yeah. single gigantic company all in one on yeah. a nice big campus that has, as as Karen Gillan points out, as they walk past all of them, you know, volleyball and yoga and you know everything that you think of when you think of a company that's you know in Silicon Valley and they you know they have beanbag chairs instead of proper chairs and it's shaped like the Apple campus too which is it's so it's shaped like a big circle um but I think the Apple campus actually wasn't open yet when this was made but I'm sure people knew that that was happening I mean it's kind of a you know if you if you've made your company the circle called it the circle I mean it stands to reason that you're going to uh, design it as a big circle. Although I did notice that they, uh, instead of like the Apple building, which is all one large structure sort of monolith here, it's made up of lots of little buildings, which I think was a choice made so that then when they are shooting clearly not in <laughs> in, in real world <laughs> locations, it kind of like you can kind of use wherever you want. You know, they can hop yeah. around to different locations and it's like, oh, yeah, it's fine because this place is made up of all these different buildings. So like the sort of architecture of the space is like always looking a little bit different uh, from shot to shot because like clearly they're just yeah shooting and, you know, some. I think most of it was shot. Uh, a lot of the, the campus shots are in some park in L.A. Actually, almost none of the I don't think almost any of this movie is shot in Silicon Valley. Um, it's almost all shot in L.A. Um, since I live and work in Silicon Valley, I became really interested. Like, is this really any of the places I drive by? And uh, I didn't recognize anything. And then I looked it up and I was like, yeah, no, it's almost like a lot of the architecture in the building is, is or in the movie is more interesting than what is real Silicon Valley architecture. I think like you have 
the cool things like Apple, which looks cool, but a lot of it feels like a lot of it, I think, was built in the, you know, era of the dot com boom. So it, it, it all like feels really tied to that time period still to me, to my eyes. And there's something just kind of like bland and I don't know, um, disposable about most of the architecture in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say before, uh, before obviously this, I mean, the novel came out in 2013. Um, but what what was initially called Apple Campus Two, which obviously everyone knows these days as you know Apple Park, yeah. Um, and by the way, Apple Park opened like the week this film came out. Oh <laughs> wow! April two thousand seventeen was like when it started opening. Um, but you know, it, it was announced by Steve Jobs in two thousand six, um, and the groundbreaking took place. Like the the location was kind of announced in 2011, and the groundbreaking took place in 2013, so before the novel was ever written. So I have a feeling this was on Dave Eggers' mind of like, yeah, this is what it's going to be like. And, and certainly, Dave Eggers is also local here. I think he's he's also in the Bay Area. I'm pretty sure. So well, the the auditorium as well, where a lot of the stuff happens in this film, is kind of like the auditorium in Apple Park, where they make announcements and stuff. Um, and so it, you know, it kind of it makes sense that it kind of has that look, and also we'll see that auditorium a lot because that auditorium is a lot cheaper than trying to shoot outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so <laughs> you know, we we see we see that you know she gets she has a, an interview with Nate Cordry where he asks her a series of questions that would be best answered by a man of Dave Eggers' age, um, like <laughs> when he asks John or Paul, and she's like. <laughs> early early john and late paul it's like late paul is 2022 like late paul is he's still alive (laughs) you know like what does that mean yeah (laughs) yeah so there's a whole series of those questions they even throw in one about you know gif or jiv um and then at the end he comes on to her and she's like this is extremely inappropriate and he's like yeah you passed the test um and so you know they show her where she's gonna work and a guy who basically only shows up like in this scene uh, is like this is how we do this and she's basically just um you know a customer service agent she's just going to be basically answering tech questions and she has to badger the customer to give her a 100% rating at the end of every call which the guy the guy who does the the call live he gets a 99 and he's like hold on a second i can't be i can't be living with that 99 and then, so he says to the customer what's the deal with that 99 and the customer's like oh sorry meant to be 100 and then he's like yeah see there you go you got to do that um this was this was a part of the book i really actually remembered a lot was the like uh this and i think they 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 dwell on it more in the book is this like stressful situation of just constantly trying to be the best at everything and and then it, it's sort of like uh, they hint at this a little bit in the movie, but I think she starts with, you know, like maybe one screen and then it just keeps like they keep building up. So like her attention is constantly divided. I just remember it yeah. like it, it it did create a true stress in me when reading that book of like <laughs> the, the reality of like trying to get work done and you're getting like five notifications and different, you know, your attention is being divided. It was like very much that situation. So I think yeah. the, the book is definitely maybe a little more successful at, at conveying that like stress um, of the situation though. They're, they're, they're trying to do their best here. And, and uh, the, with, you know, like we mentioned all these effects of the, the little alerts and things popping up to, to help convey that visually. 
Yeah, like the little conversations that she's having kind of pop up over the top. And obviously that is setting up what will happen later on when we, you know, when the, the kind of the real theme of the, uh, the the film comes to the fore. Yeah, we you know, we get a bit of a montage where she's getting a lot of bad numbers. We see 64, uh, you know, we see 70. <laughs> obviously these aren't hundreds. I personally don't know what she's doing that's causing people to give her ratings that low. Like it's really, like... Like it doesn't make sense if she's answered the question, just give him a hundred percent. Like who is the person who's given given like a sixty? Yeah, yeah. Like deliberately annoying. Um, we should say as well when she was taken around the campus um, by uh, uh, Karen Gillan, there was a point where they got in a lift and the lift put pictures behind them from their friendship, which is obviously a bunch of like photos that they'd taken on set the day before or something, um, and some where they'd kind of photoshopped a little bit. It wasn't bad Photoshop, but like. Yeah. It was clear, you know, like, you know, just a little bit, just to kind of show that they are friends and they have been friends for a while. Uh, but also that effect never gets used again. There's no point where anybody walks near a screen and it starts displaying stuff <laughs> for the rest of the film, which kind of annoyed me because that's a plot point in a film called Antitrust, um, starring uh, Tim Robbins and, oh, who the hell was the teen heartthrob that's in it? He's also in Cruel Intentions, where he's he's married to Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> or he was until they divorced Ryan Phillippe uh, Ryan Phillippe yes um, and in in that there's a plot point where when people walk in the room because obviously you know Tim Robbins is meant to be an evil Bill Gates they have these pictures on the wall that change to a favourite picture of the person yeah. and Tim Robbins' favourite picture like is, is on the we see that early and then when Ryan Phillippe is trying to do some hacking we see the picture change in the background so we know that Tim Robbins is coming um, and so that's a good use of that kind of plot point. Here, it's just a bunch of pictures that appear while they're in the lift, and you're like, "Yeah, what's the point of that?" Yeah, I guess like the only thing I, I kind of wonder if they if it it's supposed to help maybe uh, put position this in a slightly future world. Like it, it, it's it's like I, I always get the impression that this is meant to be just barely in the future, so everything else feels pretty much identical to our world, but the technology is just a little bit more advanced to the point where you, you can walk in an elevator and suddenly your photos are there. But also it's it, it's meant to be a, a, a first hint of like, oh, that's a weird invasion of my privacy. Like also like walking in and yeah. suddenly my personal <laughs> photos are broadcast in a public space. And, and also she finds the photo unflattering too. So it's like, uh, yeah. you know, I don't want this on an elevator. Thank you. Yeah. But the, the app that everybody uses is called true you, uh, which is obviously Facebook. That is what it's meant to be, but they call it true you, um, which is weird because like Apple have never had like a social network. They tried it with like iTunes when they had like, um, Oh, what was it called? Where was it? Bing, ping, ping, ping with a P ping. Um, oh, I don't even remember. They had this. that where, yeah, it was like, it was, yeah, it was like a way where you could. Sh I think it was trying to, it was trying to combat uh, with this weird because it was like trying to combat something that Zune could do, which is with a Zune you could share a song to your friend Zune and they could play that song, and so with Ping they were trying to do a similar thing where they would have like you could you could purchase songs but then you could share them with your friends. Oh, I do remember uh, this a little which, bit now that you say that. Yeah, yeah, which 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 now is effectively just what Spotify playlists are. Yeah, know? like yeah. You, like I can't share an iTunes playlist with people, but you know people can share Spotify playlists. Well, Although I think Apple Music does have that capability, but it, you know, not through well, not through it didn't have it through iTunes at any point where you could share. Uh, well, music in that way and in this in this story the true you thing is both it's it's both a face it's both facebook social network 
but also um it's like a a way of i it's like a really locked in form of identification too like it's it's sort of like your digital thumbprint in this way that uh you have to be very everything has to be verified and so that that kind of comes up a little bit more later she says she says it in the interview where she says um it has to use your real name and be linked to a credit card which of course is the most american thought in the world that everyone has a credit card (laughs) because you know, in other countries, having credit cards is not like a huge thing. You know, we have banks that give us cards where we can take the money out. We don't need credit cards for everything. So, um, yeah, the idea that every citizen has a credit card and that is linked. That's how you prove, <laughs> you know, that along with your government ID, that's how you prove who you are on true you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that obviously that's the seeds of that idea anyway. Uh, hey, look, it's Tom Hanks in the Tom Hanks film. Uh, he finally shows up. He's got his nice gray beard, which we can see on the poster. Uh, he's very much, you know, uh, in his his prime daddy period now. He everything he's doing is, you know, hot. It's it's dad core basically. The films he's doing, you know, Captain Phillips, um, you know, Sully. It's dad core left, right, and center. Um, this is not as dad core, but it's a it's obviously again it's you know on the poster he's got like a turtleneck thing. I don't think he really wears it. his character doesn't isn't like turtlenecking it up. In the film, but this is obviously a Steve Jobs, you know, uh, Zatz type person. Yeah, and yeah. then for some reason, you know, I, I love it when they do this in Tom Hanks films. He's not playing someone called Tom, which, by the way, he's only done twice in his career. Uh, but the person next to him is playing a character called Tom, and that is Patton Oswalt, right. who is the COO. So sometimes they will say someone and Tom, and I'm like, well, there, Tom's already included. because And it's like, oh, of course, his character is called Eamon Bailey, which is not a particularly, like, techie like there've been like kind of Steve Jobs rip-offs in other films that have more like over the top names and stuff. I in fact like and the I can't remember who the main character the guy, the guy who plays the main character well either either the main characters from Silicon Valley like the two main billionaires like that one who's played by oh I can't remember the name of the actor but he's really funny and he just comes in and he just gets you know really annoyed because at everybody and he's like very loud but you know, those characters are a bit more over the top and a bit more like an exaggeration of Steve Jobs whereas Tom Hanks is playing this very kind of low key um you know like i mean it's not completely a Steve Jobs impression because he doesn't have the kind of cadences that Steve Jobs used no. to do in his presentations and it, stuff it seems more like a Tom Hanks impression <laughs> it just feels yeah. like it's just like he's Tom Hanks like there isn't a lot yeah. to his performance uh, i mean no. it, it's it's a little bit like okay you know it, it's it's i guess it's like you know he's got he he's bringing that sort of uh silicon valley charisma that that thing you know but that is what he does also so it's a little hard to see where where the performance begins and where because it's like yeah but tom hanks is a charismatic likable guy he's just doing himself yeah. um i was gonna say yeah it, it kind of works just as like if he's just doing a more straightforward portrayal of himself yeah because it's like yeah everybody likes tom hanks so right. he, he, if he's just playing playing it that way, uh, and of course he is a California boy himself. He's he's from Concord, California. So you know it makes sense that he has the sensibility. He also manages to sell the whole surfing thing a bit more than you would expect because obviously it feels a bit more. It feels like some some something, something Tom Hanks would have done in his youth is you yeah. know call up surf shops to find out what the what the waves were like um, and whether or not you should bother like driving to the coast and and doing some surfing. Um, and obviously he uses this to convey like the, you know, how he used to have to call the surf shop. They got tired of it. He called his friends who were out surfing. They got tired of it. Then he got the internet and he was able to look at a camera. Um, and then he does the big reveal, which is 
he went out there and breaking a whole ton of um you know like privacy laws he put a bunch of cameras everywhere um and and he's put one pointing at the beach where he you know likes to surf and then he's put one on a different beach and another beach and in his front yard and his backyard and obviously this kind of this presentation builds as everybody goes nuts for the invasion of privacy in public yeah uh, by a corporation <laughs> Like you know, obviously uh, London, well known for having like literally ton like four CCTV cameras for every person, um, and we just kind of accept that. But that's mostly government. Like there are still laws that apply in terms of what you can do with CCTV footage. In this case, it's just a private billionaire planting a bunch of cameras that he boasts have got like can camouflage very well, so you won't even know that they're there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like. I, I like people are whooping it up, but it's like this is not a this is not a good thing. <laughs> like this is, yeah, um, you know. But yeah, so they, but this is this is going to be a regular occurrence. This is like the Friday meeting where they kind of talk about things that they're thinking about doing, and you know he says that they're calling it sea change. Um, S E E though, yeah, yeah, S E E, yeah. Which I thought was funny because obviously um, the next person who appears is Beck. Right. Uh, which I love. I saw Beck 21 years ago uh, live. So, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm you know, mostly I, I only really like Midnight Vultures. This is the stuff he's done. That I like, but, you know, Midnight well, Vultures it, is my is the main one that I enjoy. Yeah, it was funny because when they when they, they did that, I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, but is is C, his sea change become more like connected to Beck than, you know, Shakespeare at this point? Like, I, I, probably. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, the thing is as well, like, Siege, I saw Sea Change was, like, nominated for some, uh, you know, some awards and stuff. So, it, you know, it was pretty well received. You know, the, um, whatchamacallit, um, Midnight Vultures, even though I love that album, and that's that's the album, effectively, that, you know, Beck was, was touring when I saw him, uh, that, like, did, critically did not do as well as Sea Change. Um, yeah, Sea Change was, and, a, I remember Sea Change being a bit, actually, you know, coincidentally... I remember Sea Change uh, was a big, uh, really connected with the launch of uh, the iTunes Music Store. Um, in that, of all the album covers they would show, um, yeah, you would have. I, I remember going to the Apple Store and having a big, giant poster of the Sea Change album as part of their um, display of all these different albums you could buy for you know ten dollars. Uh, so. I just remember that I think probably they they realized like Beck was really uh, fit into their target demographic of people that they wanted to uh, get into, you know, buying their music digitally. Uh, and I'm realizing now that that person that they're trying to target is me. Like I was that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the person. Yeah. yeah, you were the target audience. I was um, yeah. for that for that particular thing. Yeah. And it works. Um, I think. I think it's also funny because obviously, you know, people talk about Steve Jobs and, you know, his, when he returned to Apple and, you know, there's obviously a dismissive phrase, which is, uh, you know, the cult of Apple. And obviously Beck is in a real cult. So it's kind of interesting that, yeah. um, you know, they they kind of cut to him after we've had this speech by, um, you know, this kind of billionaire telling us that he's going to put cameras everywhere so we can see everything. And then it's like, hey, and here's Beck to sing a song and and um, the artist the artist who designed the sea change cover killed himself because he was afraid of scientologists too 
uh, oh, Jeremy I didn't Blake. That. Yeah, he was oh. a he's a he's a, was a artist, um, and he did. Uh, he also did those uh, sort of animated sequences in Punch Drunk Love, um, and you know he was a really well known artist, displaying in galleries and museums. Uh, and yeah, he walked into the ocean, uh, and he had become really paranoid that. Scientologists were coming to get him. Which, is... which in all fairness, they probably were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's what they do. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there's a party going on because this is a cool company and everybody's cool and they play volleyball um, and, you know, they drink some beers. Uh, no, after, they drink cupcake it's... wine, which is... They, well... <laughs> this is... <laughs> yeah. like, this cracked me up because they're, they're like... This party is obviously meant to show that, like, they have spared no expense. Beck is on the stage, you know. Oh, this is a big, you know, huge company with, like, lots of money to, to blow on, on these fun events for their company. And then John Boyega reaches into a bush and pulls out a bottle of cupcake wine, which is very cheap wine. Like, this is, like, <laughs> a $10 bottle of wine at your local and Kroger. In all fairness, though, he's he's hiding that from everybody else. So maybe he just, you know, he just it's just for special, you know, just like as a backup for when no, they no, run no, out no. of the drink. There's bottles everywhere. I was looking. I noticed <laughs> oh the bottle. Like, I, yeah, this is clearly a product placement that I think it probably that brand launched around the same time, if, if memory serves, because I remember seeing it in stores around this time. So it just made me laugh because I was like, OK, so obviously Cupcake was uh, had a little product placement here because it's just hilarious. Everybody's drinking wine at this party. There is no beer that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Annie uh, shows um, shows uh, May to uh, you know the main office where uh, Eamon Bailey works, and then she goes off to do some work and says, "Go back to the party." John Viega, as you say, takes this you know bottle of wine, and you know he talks to her, but like for a company that is all about social media and everything, he doesn't introduce himself. He doesn't reveal who he is. He just kind of talks to May. Um, and you think to yourself, no, oh, that's John Boyega, who's you know, <laughs> right. at this point has been in like the third highest grossing film of all time. So like, you know, he's got to be somebody. He can't just be an anonymous nobody. We've had right. other actors who've like appeared in a single scene like Nate Cordry, who are nobodies. So, um, yeah, it's it, like we we're obviously like, well, I wonder who that is. Uh, but we will find that out later on. Um, and May, you know, she goes she goes home. Um, you know, to see her parents because obviously her dad is ill. Um, and, you know, Mercer's not happy about her working for, uh, you know, Facebook combined with Apple. And, <laughs> um, you know, he's he's not online as everybody else. And, you know, he, he kind of gets a bit annoyed as well as, uh, you know, when she checks her phone. And again, like, I mean, I don't know. Like these days, people checking phones, like, is not a thing that really concerns me in any way. And so I find it odd when certain films decide that that is a thing that they are going to have a character be bothered about. Because it's like, all that does is make you look like a 50-year-old man. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> like, there's no, like most people who are, like, under the age of, like, 40 don't care about people checking phones. Like, it's not an issue. Um, like, like, you know, check your phone all you want. Like, it's not, it's not, like, it's, you know, everybody's checking their phone. Like, it's not a, you know, it's not a huge problem. So, but yeah, any, anyway, you know, we get the general idea, which is that Mercer, who is, you know, a lifelong friend, is not happy with her working at the circle. Um, and so, 
Um, you know, she goes out kayaking by herself again. This is a sec- the second time, obviously. Rule of threes will come into play with this. Yeah. Um, I think this is the time know. where, I, to me, it looked like a very bad, poorly composited shot of the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. Like, <laughs> it just... I looked at it, I was like, oh, that that ain't real. And I understand, like, that would be an incredibly busy area to try kayaking in. Like, there are so many boats and ferries and everything else there. It's like, yeah, you would, yeah. it's suicide. Like, why would you, you wouldn't kayak there. It's dangerous <laughs> to kayak there. I'm sure people yeah. do. I'm sure they, I think they stay probably very close to the coast, you know, because, like, you yeah. wouldn't want to be out in the middle of the bay. It's would be very dangerous. Um, yeah, and I mean, if anybody knows about ships being in danger, it's Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> and so, of course, uh, we see Patton Oswalt on television, uh, identified as Tom Stenton, COO, and just, you know, talking about how the Circle's a good company, um, and there's some, something you could do with some senators and some something new with Congress, you know, government always trying to something, something, something. Um, we When she gets back to her desk, May is greeted by two extremely happy people who tell her that... Uh, you haven't set up your company profile. Uh, a thing that I'm sure everybody who has been working for the last three years and has possibly worked from home knows that people are kind of obsessed with setting up these, using these programs that share stuff online. Um, you know, Zoom, Teams, um, Meet, all these various different things where you can have meetings online with, you know, work people. Um, and this as well as being like a zoom type situation obviously zoom wasn't huge in 2017 uh it feels it's obviously more of a kind of a facebook type thing yeah it's more of like a, a social, company it is like a company social network or i i I, yeah. I got the sense that it's it's both probably a public and like it is the company's thing but also you're expected to be on it because it's what the company uses for communicating extracurricular activities and things yeah it's this weird thing where it's like you have to set up a profile but you don't have to set up a profile but you should set up a profile so that people can contact you but obviously yeah most companies still have email so it's like it's effectively like turning your email into a facebook and then contacting people only by like using facebook messenger but obviously it's you know the company's own version of that um, and while they're talking about that, they're like, oh, by the way, you left the campus. Um, <laughs> and obviously she's like, yeah, my father. And and I, th- I think it's funny because they're like, you know, oh, you know, because she's like, he, he, you know, he's he had a flare up. And they're like, oh, that's terrible to hear. We didn't realize that your father's MS was that bad. <laughs> it's like and she she's telling that he. Yeah, yeah, she immediately her face is like, <laughs> I never told you my father has MS. Uh, yeah, she's yeah, realizing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, which is, uh, I, I have to say this, and obviously it was used very recently in the film uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I love when a person doesn't tell another person something, but then the other person says that thing, and then they're like, wait there, you didn't tell me that, did you? Um, but in this, they don't do that. They don't, don't have that moment of like, we didn't tell you. They're just like, oh, we already know. So they they don't really do that here. They don't reveal like it's just left for Emma Watson's face to be like I didn't I didn't tell you anything about the MS. Yeah, which uh, I, prefer. I, like, I prefer. I prefer like that, that revelation. Yeah, to leaving yeah. it that way. I, actually, I was going to say I, I made uh, in my notes I wrote down that I think this scene was probably the best scene at capturing the tone of the book. Um, I that, thought that would be true as well because it's yeah. slightly di- it's different to everything around it, isn't it? And I was yeah. like, this feels like the whole film should have been like this weird parody of the Social Network. Yes, <laughs> but yes, it isn't. It, right, like the 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 book has 
maybe calling it a satire is too much. Like, I don't want to say it's like hilarious, but it, it, it feels all a little bit more, um, obviously like a sort of allegory and not like you understand that this is, I don't know. It, it's, it, it dances more in that unreality and the, the performances that I think these two actors are giving are so perfect. And that, that menace, like it's, it's menacing the way their, their kindness is menacing, you know, like the, 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 the smiles and the, and the whole like, Oh no, 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 no. You don't have to come. No. But I mean, if you're not there, how are we connecting? And you know, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it, it is spot <laughs> on. And I feel like it's very real too. That, that kind of, that, that corporate culture stuff is, is very real. And, and I think they're so yeah. good at kind of capturing it. And, and yeah, I had the same thought. I wish the rest of the movie felt like this scene. <laughs> like this is what the movie should have been like. Um, yeah. It should have been. And obviously, it's Ellen, Ellen Wong is the one saying you need to make a, a social like yeah. network profile, along with the guy who's standing next to it, just agreeing. And obviously, they point out that there's a number of groups for people who've got MS and for people who are children of MS. Um, and then they say, uh, set up your profile because you've already got 8,000 messages you've got to reply to. Um, and by the time they finish the conversation, it's nearly 10,000. Um, yeah. And they emphasize to her that it's just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but she hadn't like she hadn't updated her profile. You know, she hadn't updated her you know Facebook profile for a while, so they were wondering what was going on with her. And obviously, when she returned home, she also didn't update to say she'd gone home. Yeah. So you know, they're like, well, you know, where are you if you're not constantly sharing what you're doing? <laughs> so um, they emphasize that it's just for fun, though. It's just for fun. Like, oh, yeah. It's just going to be fun. But also, reply to these eight thousand messages. Um, you know, and also it's kind of expected, which is weird because like in 2017, I don't think this is something that would have been much of a problem, but I would say in 2022, these days, you, you know, there are a lot of kind of corporate internal social networks where, you know, this is kind of true now that like, um, you know, if you have something like Slack, it's not like you, if you're in a company, you could not be on Slack anymore. Like if that's what they're using to communicate with people, then you've got to, you've got to have a presence on that. Um, although, you know, again, like stuff like Slack and Teams and Zoom are more kind of messaging systems, whereas like this also has like a, a you know, a social uh, media component to it. So, yeah. of course, we get a montage of her replying to literally every single person on campus by the looks of it yeah. um, and introducing herself to everybody. Um, and this obviously improves her standing. It's really weird because at this point on in the film, we don't see her improve at her job. Like we don't see her percent, her, her number, whatever her percentages, are uh, in terms of like get the calls. We just see her be very interactive with everybody else on campus, and that is how she, you know, maintains a presence. And it's kind of implied that like you know the job is 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 okay, but like if you're just talking to people all the time, and you know we see her taking part in, um, you know, social activities and stuff like that. So it's like well that's that's how you become part of the company rather than solely based on your job performance um, yeah and i feel like in the book there definitely maybe is more talk of her sort of rising up in the ranks uh they they spell that out a little bit more where here it's just sort of implied um yeah they, they definitely spend more time i think i think her scores and things do uh improve but it's also been a very long time since i've read it so i don't want to <laughs> but not that i'm sure anyone's like cares all that much about that circle <laughs> like uh, whatever um but yeah that but, when you're saying like uh, you know the 
you think that's more true today? I don't know. Maybe it's an American thing, but like that, that sort of like notoriously bad work life balance is pretty pervasive here. Um, not just in Silicon Valley, but I think across the country as a whole, and especially in corporate culture where people are kind of expected to sort of be at, at the company's beck and call at all times. Uh, I, I don't know. I think, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anyone who, who doesn't feel it, uh, uh, who, who has ever worked for some, some, some kind of company um, like that. And, and it's, it's definitely, I, I don't know. Maybe that's why it struck me as very real that like <laughs> the, the smiliness to it all of like, Oh yeah. You know, Oh no, you totally no. This is like, if you can, yeah. But, You're allowed to leave campus, but just not yet. Right, right. <laughs> not until everybody likes you. Um, yeah, we, we. She she takes a picture of you know the antler light fixture that's at her parents' house, uh, and decides to share that. Uh, this will, of course, become the main plot point for the rest of the film. <laughs> uh, well, no, it will become an important plot point. The, the, yeah, the re- you know the, the rest of the film kind of plays into that a little bit, um, and you know they also like she goes for uh, a medical. Uh, Annie takes her there um, and, you know, as as part of her kind of fitting in and she <laughs> she swallows a sensor without really, I think, being kind of given the heads up on what she's doing. Um, and then they're like, hey, here's a thing that monitors your vital signs and lets us know exactly where you are located at all times. <laughs> and she it's really weird because, like, if this was satire, then you would expect that, that the kind of Emma Watson's character at some point would um rebel she does but a little too late i feel but like yeah either she would wholeheartedly like go along with it or she would rebel fiercely against it but instead she just kind of sort of accepts it and is like oh okay um, well, and, and, and then it's really like, manipulative because they say here drink this drink this whole thing and then yeah. only after she's finished it do they reveal what it was um, yeah oh and that and that's the, the sensor you've swallowed yeah uh, but she doesn't she doesn't protest it and then they're like oh we're gonna give your parents a bunch of text so their lives are easier and obviously she, you know that gets a teary thank you to annie mm. um and then we get kind of I, it's really weird because i don't know if this is like the b plot or the c plot in this thing but we have pat and Aswant talking about how much you don't trust the government because they can they they are very shady and they don't tell you stuff and they keep secrets um, and, you know, that then they introduced Judy Reyes as uh, Congresswoman Olivia Santa, Santos, who then is like, I am going to put, you know, this camera on me and I'm going to share all of my documents and everybody, you know, she's going to be super open and everyone's cheering them on and everything's going to be shared on True You, which I think is like the equivalent of a senator or someone today being like, oh, I'm going to upstate update Twitter all the time. It's like, yeah, OK, all right. I mean don't particularly care but yeah well it's um, like weird because it's like it's also like this person is going to just allow camera a camera to be attached to them for everything they do which is just it's just impossible right like i mean it's not feasible for like us a senator to never need to have private meetings or like (laughs) you know it's just it's it's just impossible i mean there's kind of a scene later in this show where uh, in this movie where they're they're having like this company board meeting and you know presumably Emma Watson is wearing this camera and I just kept thinking like this conversation would never happen in public like <laughs> it would just absolutely never happen in public at a company yeah. like this and that like the, from this point on we kind of get like the that story is put to one side a little bit but it will come back in a in a while um 
and you know we well first of all we get the reveal that uh, that um, uh, John Boyega is uh, Ty uh, Ty Lafitte which I don't know if they were imagining someone else playing this role but Ty Lafitte seems like a very like French Canadian name well yeah um, I mean well it's a, it's a weird so this is a big uh, this is maybe the biggest departure from the book or, or it's I don't even know what exactly I think about it, but in the book, so they have this whole thing where it's again, secret identity. Um, but they drag this out a lot longer in the book that she's going and she, she meets this guy, but she can't find him anywhere. And, and when she looks him up, he's not on, you know, the, the social networks and she doesn't know how to find him. And he's very mysterious and he takes her to the servers and they look at it and then they have sex in the server room in the book <laughs> and like okay. on the reg I re- if, if my memory serves me correct it becomes like their thing like they go down and like it and it, i feel like he's i think he lives there like he lives in the servers like in, in yeah, the book that, yeah in the in the film he takes them to like oh this was going to be like a you know uh like a railway line under the you know like an underground railway that was going to go to this other place but they abandoned it because it was too expensive and so they use it to have their their cloud storage is in this particular server room and there's literally and, like and, a sewer like that was my favorite part they yeah. like walked on it it's like and they're in a it looks like a sewer because it's like oh it's flooded and it's just like yeah it, it the seems reason like, they abandoned it was yeah. because they couldn't they couldn't deal with that issue of the water getting in basically and so so yeah. logically then, uh, put computers there that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean we only see it in this one scene and it, this is where he's like um you know he's explaining about true you and she goes oh no tyler feet invented true you and he's been off the grid and he's like i'm tyler feet and she's yeah. like what so this, like, this reveal happens so much later in the book. So it becomes yeah. like, it's like a big deal because you've dealt with this character. At this point, I was, so this really surprised me because I, I thought like, oh, well, in the book, like they make you wait and wait and wait for this. And you and to the point, I, I actually, I don't know which I like better because in the book, I actually found it kind of funny because by the time they reveal it, it's like, yeah, I know, I figured it out because you, <laughs> you, you kind of laid the breadcrumbs a little too obviously where it's like, I can't figure out who this person is. And meanwhile, there's like, they keep talking about the three, I think they call them the three wise men maybe in the book or something yeah. like that. That yeah. are like the three founders and like you've met Eamon, you've met Tom, but there's this mysterious one who nobody knows where he is. And then and then it's like, oh, it's just him. Like you, you kind of you're, you figure it out. You're like, well, I guess it's going to be him. And then you're like, oh, it is like it was one of those like surprises that was like, yeah, you, you did lay the groundwork for this, but you laid it too obviously. So that when I found out, I was not surprised. I was just like, oh, yeah. And um and it almost made me think too, like his age is supposed to be more closely, like he's supposed to be the same age as these founders also. Like he's not supposed to be John Boyega's age. Um, so it's kind of funny yeah. because you would almost think like, if you're going to change his age, maybe it's so that you can still have these sex scenes, not feel creepy, but then they don't have any sex scenes and it's never really a relationship at all. So yeah, it's just, I, th- I think I also, the only reason that they reveal it this early is because um, this is like we barely see John Boyega again for the rest of this film. Like he kind of vanishes, his character kind of disappears, yeah. And the film, you know, very shortly will become just all about May and practically nobody else. Um, but so they I do have maybe they, they do have this like they funny had one thing. more. 
where they, the end, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. like also the, I remember she's looking at her screen and it is like, what became of Ty Lafitte? And I'm like, this guy is not hiding very well. Like he's showing up to all of these public, like he's showing up to their meetings and he's like in the party. He's like in the auditorium. I'm like, this guy is not hiding very well. <laughs> Nobody knows where he is. Like I, he's not, yeah. she found him pretty easily. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's just in the sense of if you were to search social media, you wouldn't find much information, which, you know, it, it, from right. the point of view of the circle is basically you've disappeared. Like if you're not on social media, which is why the same thing is kind of true of Mercer. Right. Who arrives in the next scene. And we find out that he's been getting emails giving him like death threats and stuff. And they're calling him deer killer because of the photo that she shared of the deer antler, uh, like lighting thing. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and obviously while this is happening, this conversation is then also filmed by a bunch of people who just literally stand there and take their phones out. And I'm like, what are you filming? Who is going to watch that video? Like, it doesn't, like, doesn't make any sense. It's not compelling. It's yeah. just an argument between two people. Um, I think one of them just, say, just call of, him deer killer. Yeah, like, so, they're making this yeah. leap that, like, oh, obviously people online on Twitter can take these really small things and blow them out of proportion, and anyone can be sort of, like, dragged for really minor things. And so for him, it's that he's made a chandelier out of antlers and that's mean to deer i guess and so like it just it's like come on like in this world in no way would this like ever register on anyone's radar like it would just be like I mean, a flash in the pan for like five minutes at most and then forgotten the next day like the idea that nobody lets go that this guy made a deer <laughs> chandelier it's like what like uh, i would say counterpoint to that um Obviously, May is becoming so popular within the circle that, you know, a lot of people are seeing that picture and it is kind of, you know, bringing a lot of attention to it. And so some of that would leak over into real life. Like you say, you know, the whole Twitter main character thing, isn't it? Like, don't be the main character on Twitter for a day. And I think that's that's what's happening here to to Ella Coltrane as his his character with the ridiculous name of Mercer uh, Rigaldo is is the main character, essentially. And that's why people are kind of yelling at him. I get I guess like the reality of this to me is that the the real world way this would shake down is like I could buy that Mercer would have a bunch of people yelling at him for a couple of hours or maybe even 24 hours. The fact that they don't ever forget <laughs> who Mercer is is like the part that's kind of crazy to me. Well, here is what I would say. There is a, at this moment there is a guy who was on TikTok who wanted to be on SNL and so he made this little viral video talking about, you know, hey, Lorne Michaels, I'm this person, I want to be on SNL. It's like two minutes of extreme cringe. Mm. He hasn't posted anything since, which at this point is about seven weeks ago. And he did an interview, I think, either yesterday or the day before with uh, like Rolling Stone or something, where he said he's been getting death threats for weeks uh, because of this video that he made on TikTok that was just like a cringy song about hey, when he's to be on SNL. So yeah. I could fully uh, understand somebody just take, you know, making a chandelier out of deer antlers and getting hate for weeks on end, um, you know, because... But it's just, but, again, I mean, I know, like, I know the internet is terrible and, like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, the the idea of, like, if you saw a picture of that chandelier, like you would just feel like okay, like yeah, it's like, like nobody... a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of kind of like you know kitsch, but it's like I don't know, but yeah, I, I it's a weird thing that like Dave Eggers has picked as like the main driver of that particular storyline, which obviously will come back uh, yeah. later on, but at the same time, 
I think what like what he's what was trying to be conveyed is the idea of a Twitter mob, but right. in this film it doesn't really work because obviously Twitter has been subsumed by you know true you. So like they it, like they can't like it's really weird. You do in fact if you if you watch some of the little messages that pop up on true you, you will see that there are some negative ones that occasionally kind of come in so there is a bit of that kind of twitter mob mentality thing but yeah, uh, yeah. like he, he isn't he isn't on any socials so the only way they can call him a deer killer is in person <laughs> so right. again that's a really weird, like you can't drag the guy on twitter if he's not on twitter mm-hmm. um so you know um and yeah so mercer leaves uh he's obviously not happy uh once again uh may goes kayaking late at night um but unfortunately she gets into trouble because she isn't wearing a um a life vest which she wasn't wearing the first two times either uh but this is late at night she's obviously you know misery kayaking um and so she gets into trouble but she's saved by sea change and actually when they showed all the cameras earlier when he was flicking through all the different cameras and saying beach 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 there was a very quick shot of the golden gate bridge right so they did set up that there was a camera there and obviously said so the camera, you know, it turns out the, the kayaks that she's been kayaking in aren't even hers. She just nicks someone else's kayak and goes out kayaking. <laughs> and so, um, you know, she gets saved by the fact that there's cameras everywhere. And then the next day she gets to finally meet Tom Hanks in person. We're 51 minutes into this film. And finally, uh, this is the second time that we've had Tom in that he's been gone for about 40 <laughs> minutes. So finally, the film kind of turns into a Tom Hanks, uh, you know, Emma Watson film as the two of them will start to share more screen time as this goes on. Um, and so we get to the Friday meeting because their meetings always take place on a Friday. These are the meetings where they dream big. And this is where May shares her story. Although everybody watched it all, so what's left to share? Nothing right. much. And also, she's super popular on, on you know, on all the social networks. So surely she would have shared this on those beforehand. But no, she has to make a big speech, and she says that secrets are lies, uh, which is almost the title of a film: Secrets and Lies. Yeah. Um, but it's not. Uh, but I like that there's a graphic behind her where the the L in lies is really really long, and the T from the secrets goes down really long as well. It's an it's uh, it's a consistent graphical thing they they do, uh, and it has like May Holland but in all lowercase like mm. as like the the name of the speaker, which I thought was funny because she, again she's meant to be one of the most popular people within this campus, so you wouldn't really need a name badge. But anyway, uh, she talks about how you know if people aren't constantly watched then they end up doing bad things and being their worst selves, which to me sounds like the argument for God and sin. So, but you know, uh, like if, if the only reason to be good is that you know someone's watching you, then that's a very, very terrible thing. Like, right. you know, that just suggests that you're the only thing stopping you from murdering people is the idea that someone is watching. Um, so she decides to take things a little bit to the extreme and she's from now on going to wear a camera on herself at all times and she's going to share everything and tom hanks does go but not not the bathroom like obviously they have to set that up for, the, for a later scene but i do yeah. like the tom hanks is like hey we draw the line of watching somebody peeing right on camera because that's, that's perverse <laughs> well yeah everything tom else hanks is normal is, tom hanks is the only one who gets to pee on camera as he's done in many many films including his extremely long like three minute pee in uh, a league of their own uh, which is literally his introduction where he just walks in peace oh, for three yeah. minutes yeah he re- he's a, he that. enjoys yeah peeing on film is tom hanks film but he, he's like that's it nobody else gets to do that apart from me <laughs> uh, emma watson not peeing on film uh so you know they set they set that up as like the kind of the boundary 
Um, and we then cut to three weeks later. She's been, they call it transparency. Um, but effectively, it's like just a very poor man's big brother. You know, like we've seen, you know, or even the real world. We've seen what happens when, you know, people stop being polite and, and you know, get real. Um, and so <laughs> she's she's doing the most boring things in the world. Opening curtains, telling people she's going to get a coffee. <laughs> And, you know, she we see that her par- parents are also taking part in this. She, you know, does a quick cut to like a Zoom call of her parents and then wearing the circle merchandise in. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they cut back to her, obviously setting that up for a later scene. Um, you know, she goes to work. She explains to people, this is where I work. And we see all the comments and stuff on, on top, uh, almost like what is effectively now a TikTok live stream um, or Twitch. Like it's just tons of comments constantly going yeah. Um, except not linear, just all appearing in the air um, and quickly disappearing. Some of them say negative things as well at this point. Like, they're not all positive. Um, But some of them are also like, yeah, man, I need my coffee too. Um, And so, you know, she she has lunch uh, with some people. She plays some games. uh, You know, she goes back home. um, And then uh, she turns the cameras on to say goodnight to her parents. And they are mid-coitus. Um, and then she quickly turns away and she hopes that the techs have, you know, caught that on a seven second delay. Um, and then when she tries to speak to her parents the next day, she checks the cameras and all of them have been. Well, there's nobody there, basically. Uh, so the parents aren't on camera. Um, you know, she takes the cat She in this very. I don't know. Again, this is something that I think if this film was a bit more satirical, this would be hilarious where she goes to the statue of um, handcuffs. And she's like, the artist that made this in his home country, you know, he's always been arrested. Uh, so I see that that's explaining. And she goes, yeah, yeah we, we've sent the government a lot of frowns. So, you know, hopefully that'll make a difference to that regime. <laughs> yeah, this was a weird scene. I actually spent a lot of because, you know, my background with art, I I, I, I zeroed in on this really fast. Obviously, because Russell. like uh, I would have expected nothing less that I'm uh, going to frankly. fixate on this. Like I literally <laughs> like I stopped the movie and started doing research because like so the structure of the sculpture um, looks a lot like, well, a bottle rack, but famously Duchamp took a bottle rack and turned it into a ready-made sculpture that is literally just the bottle rack. So like this form of a bottle rack has a lot of significance when you see it. Um, and then, you know, so this is like that it's got the bottle rack, but then it has handcuffs on it and that are like welded to come up at this angle. And it's all a bit, too much for me it's like okay like i don't like this as art but then i just couldn't figure out like is it i was like is this a real sculpture like or is this something that was made by the production company so i was like i think it's it's made by the production company it's it's weird because then like in the comments that somebody says it looks like an ai weiwei piece um and so i thought oh maybe it is ai weiwei it's bad if it's his like i think he's done better work than that but and so I was looking, apparently Ai Weiwei has made a lot of pieces influenced by Bottle Rack, but I couldn't find this piece in it. So I don't think it is, but I don't know. I I, I mean, I, I say I, I, I spent a grand total of probably 10 minutes on this. So maybe maybe <laughs> there's a better answer. But I was like literally trying to find it in. Um, I figured out where this probably this shooting location was. I'm like, maybe it's in this park. Like, I don't know. It's it's near L.A. where they shot most of these scenes. Um Maybe it's there. Couldn't find it. But yeah, it just was it, it, it struck me also as funny that 
she is supposedly has an art history degree, but she does not bring up the relationship to Duchamp at all. I'm like, okay, well, if you had, <laughs> like, if you have like been through one, you know, anyone who's taken your basic art history course probably would go, oh, it's like Duchamp, like, you know, you do. If she has a degree in art history, she would definitely know this. So, I mean, maybe yeah. she was just trying not to be a snob. But <laughs> well, yeah, you don't you don't want to isolate your audience. Like right, you know, right. if you're on Twitch, if you're on Twitch and you're playing yeah. games, you know, you play to that audience, don't you? You don't start going off topic about something else. And yeah, but, talking yeah. about Duchamp and ready mates like I just did. That that's what I yeah. would have done if I were in the situation. Which is why <laughs> I'm not uh, uh, as popular as May online because she knows how to keep it under control and not bore everyone with uh, art history. <laughs> well, I I thought it was funny because obviously she's like this. You know, the, again, like the the like system is is smart. So obviously, right. when she's told, you know, join up, she's like, we want to see you get some smiles, which you know, in itself has like a weird connotation. And then the fact that like the downvoting is like frowns and they've sent a lot to this regime and they're hoping that makes a change again is like, I was, <laughs> like in a satire, that would be a good commentary on like, you know, Twitter activism. But in this film, it just instantly falls apart. And I'm like, I don't like. It doesn't land at all. <laughs> no, yeah, it, no. it doesn't like, yeah, there's there's so much about it. I mean. It reminds me a little bit of Dear Evan Hansen, which is another movie that is way worse, um, but is is also like everything about the story is telling you it needs to be satire. But like just nothing that nothing is playing as satire and except for maybe one song in that movie that plays a satire. And, and, and here it's like, yeah, there are lines that if just performed differently if just set up differently they could be jokes right like but nobody knows it's a joke or nobody I, I, yeah like again i think emma watson is probably doing what she was told to do like i don't i think she's fine like it's just it's and, really odd i mean you know like smashed which like i say is probably is the only end of the film i've seen from this director is is a more serious film and takes the whole subject more seriously so it's kind of weird that like Emma Watson is like, oh yeah, here's a sculpture. We sent, you know, the home country of this person a lot of frowns online. We hope it'll make a difference. It's like, yeah, that needs to be like a, a line that's more ridiculous. Like either she needs to be, be like play a really, really deadpan or she needs to like lean into it being a bit ridiculous. But she does neither and, you know, so you're like, okay. And, but this is quickly changed because she sees Annie and, uh, you know, much like Michael Jackson, she wants to know if she's okay. Uh, so she keeps saying Annie over and over again, and Annie starts running away, and she's like Annie, 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 and she just keeps chasing her across campus. Again, it's like, like this would be satirical if this was satire, right? But instead, it could be a funny scene, but it's not. It's yeah, not. Yeah, no, it's just the word Annie over and over again, and then of course she eventually catches it with Annie, and they go into the toilet, and it's revealed. You know, she has three minutes when she's in the toilet to you know herself and you know to be off camera basically and annie's like you know she doesn't she doesn't like what's happening with the whole transparency thing you know she doesn't think it's a good thing she's not happy about cameras being everywhere but you know it's kind of implied that annie is like quite very high up in this company like yeah she was really high up so yeah. it's like yeah you know she's in she's in the inner circle along with you know uh ty and Eamon and tom so it's like you know, uh, like it's it's kind of in, when we see that like the next the next scene after this is they have the the concept kingdom meeting, which is like the main board meeting for the kind of for ideas and stuff. And you know, Annie is surprised that 
she's going to be at it because she didn't she didn't think that may was like that important but obviously the fact that may is carrying around the biggest piece of tech that they've got <laughs> and broadcasted to the world and has like at one point she says you know millions of followers so it's like yeah of course she's gonna you know she's gonna be taking part in stuff but again I, like uh, you know, a board meeting would never be broadcast publicly like this, so it's kind of ridiculous. Right. That's the, This is the scene that I was talking yeah. about earlier, where I just thought like yeah. nobody would be hatching these ideas out in public. It's just absolutely absurd um, to yeah. imagine this company being so. You know, like the idea of the transparency. It's like they would obviously be hypocritical about it. They they would never allow this to be talked about. I I don't know. Yeah, and so well, it, with the, in this discussion, we then get the other theme picked back up, which is, um, you know, the government are too shady. Uh, but we, you know, they've also had discussions about registering people to vote um, and use True You to do that. Um, and then May takes it one step further and is like, "Hey, what if we just make it mandatory? Like, if you want to vote, you have to have a True You account because obviously it's tied to your credit card and your real identity." Um, and, you know, people could pay their taxes using it. And, you know, what she's suggesting is effectively what the UK actually has, which is you can have like a gov.u account. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can have it's gov.uk, but, you know, a true you, gov.u, you know, like it, like it, that you, there is a, there is an account you can have where you can check on your pensions and you can check if you've got tax refunds and all. like it's re it's done by the government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and in fact, Annie is like, this is ridiculous. Why wouldn't the government just make their own version of this? And, you know, May's like, well, they don't have the resources. They, don't, they haven't got the time. They haven't got the money. They haven't got the inclination to do it. Uh, all of which is not correct. If a, if, a, if a government wants to run some kind of a, you know, kind of thing where you can check all this information, they could easily do it, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, you, maybe your government could. <laughs> My our, I, our government has. That's I the know, thing. They like have they've done it. You know, I, I actually, yeah. I, I, I sort of was. Uh, this is maybe one of those things. It's like un, I was like, I don't know. Like we have a pretty bad history of like launching websites <laughs> and government websites and uh, anything like that. I don't know if you remember when sort of like Obamacare launched and yeah. and that was like a absolute fiasco. So actually, uh, they're probably not wrong on that point. That I'm not saying the government wouldn't try it. Um, but they would definitely probably bungle it. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty bad at stuff like that. And, and, and although the bigger point here, I mean, which I guess this is a future where maybe things are slightly different, but I mean, this is, this is a sidestepping the fact that like the federal government doesn't actually control voting, like that's state regulated <laughs> so like it doesn't yeah. really matter because like that's the reason that's part of the reason oh, our well, voting is so messed up is that like the reason we can't have a full like integrated system is that every state does their own thing so like i just moved they actually to say that in the meeting in, oh, the, in the film they say yeah they say that they've got a number of governors on board oh so okay. they've got they've got they've got like 40 states who are willing to to use gotcha. the system in that so they kind of tried but that would never happen yeah. also like <laughs> well yeah i, I mean I, I, you know, there have been a number of videos online where they say that, you know, online voting is is not fully secure and it can't, it couldn't be implemented at the moment. But, yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's it's slightly easier for, like, European governments to do this kind of thing because we're a lot more centralized in terms of right. how things are done. You know, like, I've got a national insurance number that is, that's how I get, you know, and I've got an NHS number. Like, these are things, that's how I, you know, pay my taxes and, and get free healthcare. Like, those those are things that are connected to me. 
um, you know, on a very real level. So, you know, unlike, you know, passports, which can obviously run out, can't they? So, um, yeah. you know, but, you know, so it's like having, having, you know, like when people complain about their, you know, they're not a number. I literally am. My government has a number that is assigned to me. <laughs> so, you know, like that is, a th- and that, that makes registering certain things easy. And I, th- you know, that's obviously, you know, this is going too far as saying like a private company should run all this. But at the same time, there are some people, you know, currently in America, certainly on the left, who say nationalize Facebook and nationalize Twitter. Like if they have this much power, like break them up and nationalize the the thing and make it like, you know, phone service or TV or, you know, like any other thing that the government regulates, like make it. And in, in fact, I think logically, if true, you was like, yes, you have to have an account to vote. The government would say, OK we're now going to buy you and and this is now our operation. <laughs> right. Yeah. They could not let a private company dictate that. It would literally be like, oh, you've set it up. Okay, that's great. You, we now own it. So, um, you know, you're no longer a billionaire. We're, we're paying like, you know, a penny on the dollar for it and, and you're now out of business. We've got everything that, you know, you've just set up for us. But of course, um, it's like funny if you think about how, how disputed, you know, how many Americans already don't trust their elections to like, imagine if like half the States were voting online, like what, you know, the other half would think about it. It is, it is a wild thing. Like I, I, you know, like I said, I just moved to California and from Ohio and my, I voted in my first California election and it was truly amazing, but it was unlike I've ever voted before because (laughs) I, you know, I've lived in three states and each one is like a different story with voting. And in California, they literally, I didn't ask them to do this. They mailed me the ballot. They mailed me a booklet explaining the, the issues and like official, like here's uh, and with like pro and con arguments from the different parties and for the different. um, So like they set you up with all the stuff. I filled it out, came with a little envelope. And then I literally walked a block down the street and there's a box on the corner, like a mailbox. And I just dropped it in the little voting box on the corner whenever I wanted, like didn't have to, you know, so, uh, it was awesome. I loved it, but you know, that would never happen in Ohio probably. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's really wild how, um, how different it is. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of mistrust about online voting. That would be, um, yeah. But more importantly, that's not actually the plot. No, it's not. Um, (laughs) The the plot is not even what they're saying right now. The plot is not, uh, let's make mandatory accounts for um, everybody. It takes a slight turn uh, because, well, first of all, Annie walks out because she's like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, we like we can't make having an account with this company mandatory. Um, she's obviously hurt about that. We see that May's parents just want their privacy back after having their coitus broadcast to millions mm-hmm. of people. They're like, please don't do that. They've turned all the cameras off. Um, and, you know, uh, there is this th- there is this phrase where they're talking about completion, which is where every single person <laughs> is on true you and is in the circle and, you know, they've got 22 countries that are willing to let them run their elections. And then on the Friday, they reveal their next big thing, which 
uh, May is the speaker and she says it's called Soul Search. She's like, what about the people who aren't on social media, who don't want to be found, who don't want to take part in this? You know, what about those people? Well, tough luck. We're going to hunt you down. Um, and it starts with, what if we could find this woman who murdered her three children in a cupboard and then escaped from prison because she seduced a guard? Which is the most, like outlandish thing in the entire film yeah fiona highbridge is her name i wrote this down and because i wrote they tell the story and as they're telling the story i wrote down can i watch that movie instead the story of fiona like those like they're telling you all this like really exciting stuff that's happening this woman's like killing her kids and going on vacation and i'm like I want to see this movie. I don't want to see the circle. I want to see the Fiona Highbridge story. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the Fiona Highbridge story is reminiscent of a few different stories uh, that have certainly happened in this country where, like, someone's got, like, two young kids and they go on a holiday to Spain for a week. Yeah. And then they return and their kids are, they're not, like, dead, but they're certainly, like, in worse shape than they should be. You know, like, leaving, like, an eight-year-old behind for, like, a week so you could go off on a holiday. Um, so obviously it's u- it's using some of that, which is I think why they picked like an English person because yeah. that's that's happened quite a bit over here. Um, and they did give yeah, her the so most it's... Englishy sounding name ever too, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Fiona Highbridge. Oh yeah, I know a lot of Fionas. Um, yeah. But yeah, so obviously you know they're like in twenty minutes we will find this fugitive from justice. And they do it even quicker than that because there's some woman who's working in the kitchen and she's like, there she is, that's Fiona. She's pointing the like the little camera at them, and so. You know, she gets hunted down. The police come in and arrest her. Um, and it's like, OK, that was that was fun. But how about we do it with somebody who's just, you know, not online, not a murderer, you know, just not online. And of course, crowd suggest Mercer. And she's because like, they haven't forgiven him for those blasted yeah, deer the, the chandelier. Deer, yeah. Uh. And so <laughs> and so in the end, everybody is chanting Mercer, Mercer, Mercer. And Eamon is like, hey, look, this will be nice. You know, reunite with your old friend. Um, and so, you know. She reluctantly agrees to it. Um, and then we see Mercer is located. He's in a cabin, uh, obviously minding his own business. And then a whole bunch of, uh, you know, people uh, like driving cars to like hunt him down. And then he gets in the car to get away from them. And he's got a camera in his car that he didn't realize was in there because obviously they've put it secretly in his car. And he ends up driving off a cliff, uh, which obviously the scene ends with um, Emma Watson screaming because obviously she's just watched her friend die. Um, And we kind of cut to Brack and we see that May is back home with her parents uh, and she's obviously mourning and she's not very happy. Uh, What's weird is like this, this little section of, you know, she she gets a message from Eamon and then, you know, she calls Annie, who, like we say, is back in Scotland with her family. Uh, in the glens or just in a green field somewhere in california that they're pretending is scotland because uh, i don't think they flew karen gillen all the way to scotland to shoot two minutes of a scene yeah actually uh, i don't know and when I, I i looked it up on imdb and it did actually list scotland as a sh- shooting location oh. but i don't know oh, okay. how imdb is weird though too because i feel like sometimes just people submit stuff and it's like you know so it could just be somebody thinking that it's there but yeah i i i I don't know if they because literally every other shot in the movie is like (laughs) in la and around la like so it it does strike me as odd that um they truly would i mean it'd probably be easier to just green screen or you know especially with you when you're showing it on a phone screen or something like if you're if you're going to do that but 
I would say it's entirely possible that Karen Gillan finished most of her shooting and then returned, you know, yeah. to England, and they just were like, "Oh, you're in England. Just find a field and just stand Stay in it, there. and we'll we'll do we'll do the scene." Yeah, um, maybe. but obviously she's you know she's happy that she left the circle and she's feeling a lot better, and you know May is like, "Okay, you know she's she's got to go back to work." Uh, we find out that this is only three days after Mercer like drove himself off a cliff because when she returns, Eamon's like, hey, you know, we'll give you, you can do whatever you want. Like, we're not going to force you back to your job. You know, we'll just pay you a wage and you just, you know, do do what you feel. And, you know, she calls Ty before she returns to meet with Eamon and Tom. Um, you know, and their offer is just basically be like Ty. We'll give you we'll give you infinite cash. You do whatever you want. If you want to just take a pottery and just do that, you know, just be a vibe on campus basically is what they're saying um you know and and she's she's like okay you know that sounds fun um and we get like a you know a kind of conspiratorial scene where ty is like i've i've found it all out i'm gonna reveal it all and i'm like reveal what like i mean i understand that apple is like notoriously a terrible company but they're publicly traded pretty much anything you want to know about apple is available like you don't you don't have to dig deep to find stuff out about apple like it's the reason why people know about all their patents and stuff and like they've been in patent battles with like samsung for like a decade and everybody knows about it because it's all public knowledge so i don't know anyway the circle is a bit more secretive than that so obviously ty you know in this scene he's dramatically like i found it all out it's gonna blow the the roof off it um (laughs) and so uh she makes the choice to turn the camera back on she's gonna go transparent again um and um, so she, you know, she does that and, um, you know, we find out that on the, the, the latest Friday meeting, Eamon is like, hey, what about if we could control every single car in the entire world? Uh, because this car crash happened where Mercer drove himself off a cliff. But what if we could have stopped that from happening? Um, you know, so we'll have the location of every single car. We'll put cameras in all of them. And it's like, this is getting ridiculous. Like cameras everywhere and and you know and he's like it'll help us you know seamlessly connect across all the different networks and it's like is your car meant to be giving me a status update what's going on um but this is merely a prelude for the fact that you know um on the side of the stage may is waiting and she's like hey it's me may and and he's like hey everybody it's may holland you know the woman who got her best friend killed by a mob um because of some some antlers that he fashioned into a (laughs) chandelier um so she comes out and she's like, hey, I'm a big fan of everything being open, you know, transparency and all that. So how about Eamon and Tom uh, wear cameras like me? And she puts the cameras on them as she's doing this. And she's like, hey, how about this? How about we share all of the internal documents of the circle? To which, um, you know, uh, Pat Oswalt is like, hey, we're fucked. And it's like, why? What have you like? What have you possibly done? Like, you've been very, very open about the fact that you want, like, all the senators to be controlled by you and you want all everyone's votes to be controlled by you. So what are you possibly hiding? You know, you gave Ty as much money as he wants to just potter around on campus and, you know, wander around in sewage water. Like, what are you hiding? I don't understand what's being hidden. Because they never say exactly what the thing is. No, it's just simply that, like... Well, they yeah, they say, oh, and their secret email accounts that even their wives and secretaries don't know about. So you're like, oh, is there something salacious and sexual maybe? But yeah, it's like this movie doesn't, instead of telling you or showing you the, uh, you know, what would be a dramatic plot point, they just sort of make the idea of the hypocrisy, I guess, is supposed yeah. to be enough to, to hinge it on. But it's not. It's like, 
imagine if there were actually something that they had done and that could have been a point of this movie <laughs> that there was an actual cover up like it's yeah. kind of crazy there's so many things like that what if like, what uh, if there was another founder and they had him killed but he it was done as a suicide and like so, he, even that would just be a, make it just a tiny bit interesting yeah um, yeah there's like there's nothing nope. yeah it's like it's, it's just a bunch of documents that are on the screen and then they cut the power and everybody picks up their phones and they turn all their phones on, all their phone screens, and it barely, barely lights anything up, which is really <laughs> weird. But I'm like, you know, which is uh, a weird, like, I guess, I, I guess it's so, so funny because I guess they're trying to make some sort of message of, of like all of these people, you know, they they have the power and the, you know, but. Yeah, it just it's weird that they're using the phone as a light, which is of course this device that's also being they're really critical about in this movie. So it, it's like weird that the phone suddenly becomes this like symbol of hope or something at the end, and you're like, but why? Like, what has changed? Yeah. Like, nothing has changed um, no, other than she... like this person is now like they're going to reveal like their I don't know secret dirty emails or something like. Yeah, That's like, it. okay, Patton Oswalt's character's really into feet. Like, do we care? <laughs> um, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what they could possibly... Be. And the thing is, as well, all the documents are, like, up on the big screen, and she's like, hey, I've already forwarded them to everybody. And it's like, okay, but, like... I don't know what I don't know what's so controversial that's in those things because you just say it is and then you, you didn't have, tell us yeah you didn't show yeah us. You, you have Eamon, Eamon and Tom walk off and it's like um, oh okay all right. Um, but yeah, and so, you know, the power's cut, everyone's got their phone lights on, and then we cut to May once more kayaking, bringing it full the circle yeah. as we get to the end of the film where she's doing the same thing she was doing at the beginning. But of course, now she's wearing a life jacket because she knows better. Mm. Um, but then it's two drones... Just... about safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what the whole film was about, is about yeah. safe kayaking. Boat safety, uh, yeah. And two, two drones then fly over her head and we're like, okay, I guess they also do drones? Like... And she just, like, I mean, waves was, at one, like, Yeah, Hi. but the, the thing is, like, the cameras were already tiny so that nobody could see them. Why would you then turn that into gigantic drones that everybody can hear and see? That right. seems like a backward step. Like, drones were, like, really more like 2014. Like, it's it just, I don't know. I thought that was a really weird backward step. But I'm guessing that's probably something that's in the book of, like, and then she was followed by drones. And you're like... No, it's not at all in the book. No. And in oh, fact, well, the... <laughs> this whole ending is totally different um, because the book has like a really bleak and dark ending where May becomes, just keeps ascending into the circle. She buys into it completely and ends up a very high ranking member. Um, she, so she just like rises up in the ranks. And then I think he's even written a sequel where she is now the person in charge. Um, yeah, that that is Dave Egger's most recent novel called The Every, where yeah. she is, um, you know, the, she is the CEO uh, and there's a new, you know, low ranked person who is being brought into the company and the novel is told through uh, their point of view. Uh, apparently, uh, it was being developed by HBO into a TV series um, with uh, Rachel Axler writing and Dave Miner directing. Um, so there you go. If that ever happens, uh, considering that I think Warner Brothers Discovery are killing everything that yeah, I know. Their, their companies were making, so I don't think that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna will the um, every uh, survive? Uh, yeah, probably yeah. not. Um, you know, but yeah. So you know, we finished the film with her being followed by drones. She's left the circle. Everyone's left the circle. I'm guessing because the company probably 
I don't know if it exists or doesn't exist or what the the outcome was, uh, but it doesn't feel like anything much really happens at the end. Uh, no, the, 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 that shot uh, with the drones, yeah, it's completely, it's it's like, uh, I guess it's their equivalent of like, you know, Jason jumping out of the lake into the canoe or something. <laughs> but like, again, with like yeah. none of the meaning, none of the power, none of, just like, just falls completely flat because it doesn't mean anything and there's no like you don't see it it's not scary it's not it just it just sits there you're like oh okay um it's a really it's weird odd. because it's it's almost a little bit like the ending of captain america civil war where like black widow reveals all the secrets of um you know uh, hydra but it's like yeah but that but i kind of know what that is that's like there's been secret nazis at the heart of this particular thing for many years so i'm like oh i know what that reveal is i know what she shared yeah but in this particular case it's nothing i'm like I what did she share like i don't know how to tell you this but reading people's emails is pretty boring when people email you it's even more boring when it's right. between two people that uh, you are neither of the email recipients so it's like i don't know what on earth she revealed that is that dramatic so it's like yeah it falls completely flat and i'm like i, I okay like I guess that's the end of the film. <laughs> like, yeah. I was expecting something dramatic. Like, Karen Gillan's storyline kind of fizzles out, where she's like, oh, yeah, she wasn't happy. She went back to Scotland. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, par- the, par- the parents didn't want to be seen on camera having sex, so they turned all the cameras off. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Mercer was driven over the edge. Okay, uh, John Boyega, like he revealed that he like he gave her the documents, and then what did he do? Where did he go? Like, how much money has he got? Can, like, uh, like we don't see like I would have at least liked like uh, you know a TV thing where she's watching the TV and it's like oh you know um, uh, Eamon Bailey was arrested for this or that, and it's like but no that like we don't know like we see those drones and we're like oh so so they what did they keep their cameras on and they. Like, they already shared that one board meeting. What exactly are they hiding? Like, they shared the idea that they wanted to basically take over the administration of the government for them. So, like, what what is the controversial to... Well, even, like, like, it's like, if you got to that scene, it's so... It's like a movie afraid to let things happen. Like, I would imagine, like, okay, you even if you want to end the scene with her in the kayak, which is sort of, you know, meant to represent her sort of, like, moment to herself... Um, whenever she's on the kayak, it's like just her alone with her thoughts. And I, I feel like that's what I remember, especially from the book is like, you know, she's going there to get away from all of the circles madness. So this, like, if you were to shoot the scene and you have these, like, she's in her happy place and these drones come down and look at her, like, I feel like the button on this movie needs to be she takes a, the paddle and swats it into the water, yeah. right? Like that's that's, there. The that's where it needs to be. It needs to be smack one of those drones out of the way and then it finishes with a cut to black because we're now the drone and we've been smacked. Yeah. That's what it needs to finish on. But like... Yeah. And also there was there was a funny thing that we skipped over earlier, which is when she said when when they find out she went kayaking by herself, the one guy is like, I like kayaking. I could have come kayaking with you. And it's like, oh, right. Yeah. The point is to get away from people and, yeah, and kayak yeah, solo. Yeah, it's yeah. not a group event. Um, but yeah, so, you know, she's on she's on the, she's on the kayak by herself. And like we said, you know, she really should have smacked both those drones out of the air. And that's what we should have seen. Like we should have seen an act of defiance. Yeah. As it is, she's like, I'm being followed by drones. So what? I have a little bit of a theory now, as I'm just thinking out loud, that knowing that Dave Eggers worked on this script um, and is now written a sequel where he has her at the head of the company, did he want to leave the door a little bit open 
for that uh, world and that he didn't want to like he he wanted a little bit of cake and eat it too. Like, I wonder if uh, the studio was like, OK, we can't just have this movie where Emmett Watson ends and she's evil. And so he this is his solution to like have her do this act of defiance. But then at the end, she's not like so defiant that she can't theoretically still come in for this other project that yeah. he's maybe set up. You know, I kind of wonder de- if that's it, but it's just, it's I mean, not I, it feels like it feels like you could play that ending as she's the CEO and those drones are just coming to check that she's okay and she's not drowning rather than they're following her because she left the circle and the circle never leaves you. Like it's either way. It could be played either way. Yeah. Yeah. If then you, you have to, you have that's to the thing is like, he's trying to, I, that's why I think he's trying to do is he wants his cake and eat it too. And then it's like, it's nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't go in either direction because that would be a great ending. Like we see this moment and then like, Oh, the dread that she has become them is, would be interesting after maybe you set up this like big defiance but actually it's a coup for her to take over right like yeah. that that's kind of interesting like that's a good yeah. ending but we can't so have you that. reveal you reveal the secrets <laughs> of the top two guys and then they're forced to leave and then it's like you and Ty are running the things now so it's like yeah that would make sense and then it's like oh the drones are just following you because you're the boss and they need to keep you safe yeah. as it is it just it's just a weird ending to uh, a film that kind of meanders and has a couple of weird stories and then i'm like this is the last film of bill paxton i know okay yeah sort of sad i feel like it should have been a, a better a better end um but yeah so on this podcast we only have two ratings we either mm. say t hanks or no t hanks um so i'll let you go first russell how are you feeling t hanks <laughs> or no t hanks uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty firm no T Hanks for me uh, on the circle. I kept thinking, uh, especially when we got to the Fiona Highbridge uh, story, that it had like it, it, that actually made me realize like what like there is a good version of this story. And it's basically like most episodes of Black Mirror like this. Yeah like this has been done so much better and with like kind of the right tone, you know, like the, uh, that, that part with the Fiona hybrid, it made me immediately go, Oh, this is like that white bear episode of, uh, black, black mirror. But that's like yeah. really interesting and good and like scared, like deeply <laughs> disturbing and scary and upsetting. And, and it's like, and it gets into these like weird, you know, moral questions where like the person who they've they're kind of following did something legit, like terrible, like they they they're a, like a child murderer as well in that story. I think um, instead of you know a an antler uh, chandelier maker, <laughs> like like they're, they're just like I think Black Mirror understands how to set the stakes a lot higher. Um, and maybe those lower stakes again, function better in a book, um, than they do on the screen. But I think somebody needed to come in and go like, guys, we need bigger stakes. We need, it just needs, everything needs to be stretched a little bit more. It needs to, it it, it needs a totally different tone. I just was double checking. Yeah. This is listed as a drama thriller. And it needed to be a satire or black comedy or something. It, it doesn't need to be a drama. Like, that's the problem is like, there's not, there is no drama. Like, it's not a drama. Yeah. Like, th- nothing happens. Well, so. you know, bringing it back to the internship, which of course is the touchstone movie for everybody. Uh, the internship is a comedy. 
and everything yeah. is played for comedy even though there's like tons of google you know product placement everything is it's like there's a there's you know a little bit of drama but it's generally played for laughs and you know it at least knows what it is which is you know a vehicle for vince vaughn and owen wilson to just make you know their usual kind of patter of um you know talking softly and saying buddy 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 a lot um but like this does it just like you say like when i like again the i saw it listed as like a thriller and i was like oh what's going to be thrilling about it yeah and then watching it i'm like there's no thrills here nothing's nothing's thrilling me like it's just kind of and and you know they they go to the trouble of killing off one of the characters and she she recovers from it like in three days like And it's like, why did they say that? Why didn't they say, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're sorry that you've been out for a couple of months. Like, really give it like a gap to, so that we, we kind of, we get the idea that it, it really devastated her. Instead, she's like, oh, I'm going to have to quickly get back to work so I can call John Boyega and we can bring this company down. But then we never see them bring the company down. So I'm like, that didn't even pay off, you know. And like you say, the low stakes of like deer antlers on like a light fitting, it's like, that how is how is that the the downfall of somebody in the like unless that's played like for extreme black humor it doesn't work as as like an inciting incident and it's such a minor thing when she does it as well she like zooms in on this little picture and he's like oh and and as far as we see that's really the only post that she shares like she doesn't we don't see her sharing other so it's like how like it just like replying to like eight thousand dms is not really a way to become popular like none of the mechanics of it really work like it really does feel like i don't know how old dave eggers is but like you know a man in his 50s trying to write about technology that uh, even by the time he was writing the novel was quite outdated like the idea of a gigantic tech company having a huge social media presence that is just people constantly commenting stuff you know facebook and twitter like twitter it's funny because people seem to think that twitter is like gigantic it's like the 20th most popular site in the world like it's not even like there are social networks that are huger than it but obviously it gets a lot of play because you know it's relatively short you know like that's the whole novelty of twitter was short messaging and you know that's like it's all video now like even in 2017 it wasn't all video in 2017 but like Twitch and YouTube streaming existed in 2017. Like, that was where people were going for, you know, shared experiences. And so it does kind of make sense that she's just wearing a camera. But again, it's the world's most boring vlog. Um, And we already had, you know, Jake Paul and Team 10 doing the world's most boring vlogs at the time. So, like, like, it doesn't even make any sense as to, like... And I understand it's meant to be, like, an alternate universe or whatever or... But again, like it seems like slightly stuck on exactly what the technology would be, which, you know, if you try to make a slight prediction about the future, you're always going to be massively wrong Um, uh, or, you know, uh, extremely correct. But 10 years down the line. Right. And it it felt like this was too close to what was happening for it to be like an accurate, either an accurate prediction or a good satire on what was happening. There's so many, there's just so much they left on the table. It's, it's really shocking. Like even just thinking about there's so much to parody in sort of that Silicon Valley culture. And, you know, I mean, obviously the show Silicon Valley made a whole show about sort of poking fun at that world. So it's just, it's just, there's so much there. You know, if you think about again, like I wish Tom Hanks was able to have a little bit more fun with this, like if there was something for him to do. Um, but like 
like, wouldn't it be more fun to watch him play a character who's full of shit and knows he's full of shit and is like, yeah, in, in more than it is here where he's playing it with that kind of true earnest sincerity. Like, I think he's playing it so straight that it's like, uh, like this is not fun. I mean, again, like there's so many people like Patton Oswalt, like, boy, I'd like to watch him do something else in this movie. <laughs> like anything yeah, he, else, like anything. He, he's like, he's playing like the straight man. I should say from me as well, no T. Hanks. I don't think I'm ever going to watch this film oh, yeah. ever again. No. So, you know, but um, yeah, like what's weird as well is Silicon Valley was literally like the week that this film came out started its fourth season. Yeah. Like we already had like 30 episodes of Silicon Valley, it, like that had already been broadcast since the, from between the novel being written and the film being made so like the idea of how to do accurate satire about silicon valley was kind of already out there um and you know so it's it's kind of it's kind of weird that like they failed to um you know kind of uh, like play it play it like with the right tone like the whole film is just a very kind of serious trudge through like you know, like like we say, there's one or two moments where like these people that, like be happy. literally one scene. I think yeah, where that happy. Has... well, I I mean I I did I like I did kind of like some of the stuff with John Boyega. Like, like he's like his character is allowed to just be a bit more relaxed and yeah. you know not really care about things. So that but yeah, like it's just like the ridiculous idea of like okay, here is here is a camera that she puts on herself, and then she wanders around showing people what she's doing at her work. Which to be honest with you. Most people's workdays aren't that interesting. There's a reason why streamers aren't streaming themselves sitting at a computer working on spreadsheets. It's right. because that's not interesting. The thing that people stream about, the thing that people choose to show other people to keep them interested in their lives is other things, not their work. So <laughs> so it's really weird that like they were like, oh yeah, do this thing where you wear a camera all the time, but also keep doing your customer service job. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you would instantly say to her, look, you do whatever you want. You wander around campus, you talk to whoever, like that, that if, if the whole idea behind it is to, is to be always broadcasting, don't broadcast your real life. Allow her to have a role where, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to pay you like half a million a year. Just do whatever you want and that will be the thing you know go yeah, skydiving totally. like do something she would, it would be a full media production where like <laughs> she would be wandering around and like hey this is may from the circle i'm here with <laughs> billy billy tell us what you do you know like that would be that kind of uh and obviously you can see like the way everything is super produced in their world like they go to that meeting and the graphics you're talking about like that's what it would be like they would never yeah. let somebody just walk around and be that boring because <laughs> well also also like when annie introduces her to the campus she's like oh we've got this building over here that's this we've got the yoga happening over there volleyball's happening like why isn't she what instead of spending her day sitting in front of a screen with a bunch of people chatting to her why isn't she going around the campus and using it to its fullest extent to do some <laughs> yoga to go play some volleyball like to take part in all the other events that that you know are meant to be the fun part of working for this company um so yeah a missed opportunity like definitely and like i said i you know i watched smashed i really enjoyed it so coming into this i was thinking oh this is probably gonna be fun because you know i enjoyed what that director previously did um but now i'm not i'm not inspired to see you know the spectacular now or you know end of the tour like films that you know never even got a release over here like it doesn't inspire me to be like oh i want to see what else this director did um you know it inspires me to go I'm not interested anymore. Sorry, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, if the, if I wasn't doing a Tom Hanks podcast, I you know it's a strong chance I would never have ever watched this film. 
Um, unless I was especially doing that Watson podcast. Especially since it sounded know. like you had to go to some trouble to even find it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, I I haven't got Netflix, but, you know, obviously that didn't stop me seeing it. But, yeah, I like it isn't it, like you couldn't even get it like on a DVD cheap. Like it's not like you could get yeah. like a, a three quid copy of a DVD. Like it's just not it's just not available. That's how unsuccessful the film was deemed to be. Um, I think Hologram for the King you can get over here on DVD, but it's a bit more expensive because I you know, it's a it's a film that wasn't released over here, so it's like, okay, well, you know, you can have it, but we're not making that many copies, so they're going to be expensive, right. uh, which doesn't never makes any sense to me. But uh, <laughs> I feel like we said about as much as anybody's ever going to say about the circle. Probably, um, you know, I can't see anyone unless there's like an Emma Watson podcast out there that's covering everything she's doing. Then eventually they'll get to this and they'll be extremely <laughs> disappointed. Uh, so, is there anything that you wish to plug before we go, Russell? Not really. Um, since I've changed jobs, I no longer have a regular podcast, so there's nothing to follow there or, or check out. I mean, you could always go back and listen to old episodes of uh, The Art Palace mm-hmm. if you want to listen to me uh, in my old job. But uh, you can follow me at Russell Irig on Twitter, I guess. But uh, And same same handle on Instagram. Hey, I actually have a, an account for my drawings, which is Irig underscore illustration on instagram so if you want to see some drawings that i do occasionally that would be a good place to check out so see i do have something to plug i'm a liar yeah hey see you thought you didn't but it turns out you did <laughs> yeah uh, and you can find us on twitter at the extremely awkward handle t underscore ft memory uh, thanks for joining me today here russell to talk about the circle sure uh and now i mean after we've gone around the circle the only place we can go next is the post <laughs>